and welcome everyone to another Comic Multiverse commentary track. Matt and I had been promising you a new one for a while now, and it felt like a good week to do it because Guardians Volume 2 is out, and also there's no news to talk about this week in the wake of San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, again, no news. <laughs> Mm-mm. This was the perfect time to do it, so of course, you know, as always, if you have a digital copy of the film, if you have a DVD copy of the film, you can sit down and you can watch it with us, and we'll commentate, and we'll laugh, we'll have a great time. The uh, cut of the movie we have is two hours, 16 minutes, and one second long. Uh, we'll try and walk you through it, but uh, when I count you down and tell you to press play, do so, so, you know, we'll all be nice and synced. Mm-hmm. All right, then. So, with that out of the way, everyone, I will start the countdown then. Five, four, three, two, one, play. Yay. Alright, so here's the Marvel logo coming on in now. Yeah, the new Marvel logo. Very surprising, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I remember I saw this movie in 3D, and this one actually really took me by surprise, because Cap literally throws his shield at the screen, and I kind of jumped a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I get freaked out by uh, what is it, 3D movies, but that that one did. That one, that one got me. <laughs> got me good. Now this uh, this one was much requested, and really, why shouldn't it be? Because this uh, this is one of the great standouts of the comic book movie year that was, and it's not even over yet. The year. No, no, we still got what two more movies to come out. We do, and maybe three if you count Defenders. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, well, really unexpected the movie to start the way it did. Yeah, with the introduction to Meredith Quill and Ego. Ego, yes, in his car with very similar colors to the Milano. Yep. And it's a sweet-ass car, isn't it? It is. Man, you gotta take your hat off to Kurt Russell and the technology they did to make him look younger. Oh yeah, it, it's pretty great. Although I, I, I've heard like people say like it's actually him. They just put makeup and everything I've on him because he because he because he still looks quite good for his age. But then I also heard one where his son also did like double work for him. <laughs> Man, the retro Dairy Queen sign. We joke a lot about product placement in movies, but fuck, DQ got their money's worth in this one, didn't they? <laughs> And also, they had the Guardians uh, all mixed up Blizzard, which I tried, and I thought it was quite nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an interesting idea to make Ego more or less the villain of this piece, but I actually think they turn him into a villain quite easily. Yeah, yeah, he, he, it, it kind of made sense and everything. He actually, and again, you know, going against the grain for most, you know, Marvel movie villains... You know, his plan is actually pretty complex, all things considered, but it does ultimately make a good amount of sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, it, it all makes sense and everything, what he wants to do. And no big blue light shooting in the sky, which is always a plus. No. Well, and now here's the conceivement montage. Because <laughs> that's totally what they were implying, right? He got all close to her, and now we're seeing all this shit, you know, electrons going off and cells and everything. This is totally him putting a baby in there. <laughs> and 34 years later, what happened to that adult baby? I, it's funny, I can't ever see the word sovereign without thinking Venture Brothers and David Bowie. 
I, I can't I can't see it without seeing Mass Effect. That too. Shockingly, did you know apparently before his death, uh, James Gunn actually wanted a David Bowie cameo in this movie. It makes sense. It's kind of kind of the movie he would cameo in. He is a star man. I could totally see him being part of the Sovereign. Yeah, I wouldn't even be surprised if he wanted him to be Ego. That would be fun too. Oh, dude, my dad's David Bowie. I know Matthew McConaughey was going to be Ego, and then he passed to Dark Tower. Oh man, that was that was a smart decision, wasn't it? I bet he doesn't kick himself every day about that. <laughs> the on-running nipples joke now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for a man who's made a pretty good career of shirtlessness like Dave Batiste, I wouldn't be surprised if that was true. Yeah, yeah. A proud history of shirtlessness. So one of the things this movie does, and one of the things that I'm not sure many people brought up in their original reviews, it really hits the ground running. Like, it barely has a first act it's running so quick. Yeah, well, it, it's it's a sequel. You don't need to explain who these heroes are or what who what they do and everything. You just sort of get into it. It's very meat and potatoes filmmaking like that. It's like, look, you saw the first one. You know what's up. We don't got to reintroduce anyone. Yep. Oh, oh, he's going to do the thing. He's going to do the thing. <laughs> Again, big climactic fight in the background. No, this is more important. Baby Groot yep. is the most important thing right now. <laughs> Which, apparently, James Gunn did the motion capture for Baby Groot, and he was, yeah. like, the point of reference. You can see a bunch of stuff on his Instagram of him just dancing around. Yeah. yeah I love that. It's just all this, uh, this chaos happening in the background. And our first of what will be many excellent uh, music choices in Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, this one had... Quite the, the good music selection. Maybe even better than the first. It, it's rough, isn't it? That's like a Godfather 1, Godfather 2 thing there. Which one was better? I don't know. It comes down to taste. There's a lot of really good tunes. Yeah. I mean, you could argue music was even more important in this one because, again, the song we heard at the beginning, Brandy, is quite literally the backbone of the entire film and informs the motivation for both Peter Quill and Ego. You know, it's funny. that The guy that wrote that uh, from Looking Glass was like, hey... That's that's pretty cool. I never really meant the song to be that deep, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I was just writing about a waitress I wanted to bang, but all right, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm glad you blew it up to space opera levels. Thanks, guys. I I wonder a lot of the older bands in this movie from like the 80s and 70s when they get like their uh like their little royalty checks. They're like, what the fuck is Guardians of the Galaxy, and why did they give me such a big check? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, what the hell happened this week? <laughs> Like, oh, I've been collecting like $25, I've been collecting pennies, and suddenly out of the blue I get this huge windfall. I mean, assuming most of those artists even own their songs anymore, that was the era of record company screwed me out of the rights. Yep. Also, too, Guardians uh, back in their more bluish regalia, which is closer to their comic counterparts and closer to what they were wearing at the end of the first movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice continuity. It's a nice twist, too, on the dance thing, where it's like, you know, obviously Guardians 1 opened up with a big dance number. This one opens up with a dance and a fight number. I can only assume for the third one they will have to do a similar dance number. Yeah, that would actually be really cool, because of, like, uh, just 
keep the the trilogy together is that they all kind of start the same it's uh it's it's their indiana jones like pre-action sequence it's their 007 shoot into the camera thing yeah i dig it i mean i guess drax will have to dance in the next one (laughs) (laughs) he doesn't dance (laughs) he he doesn't though so it'll just be him standing there fighting the urge to (laughs) Because you're right, man. That's another thing they bring up in this movie. There are those who dance and those who don't. <laughs> Mantis strikes me as a dancer. If she stays on the team, she can dance. <laughs> oh, Drax getting in touch with his inner Kratos right here. <laughs> he even kind of looks like Kratos, doesn't he? I wonder if in... Like maybe post Infinity War or even in Infinity War, whether they'll make him a pacifist like he is in the comics at the moment. That would be funny. Well, it's interesting, you know, they imply a greater history with Drax, but he's probably the guy we know the least about. He mentions his wife and his home plan. He mentions his daughter in this movie, who we of course know is Moondragon, but I gotta wonder if we ever see Moondragon, they'll have to change around her origin because this Drax was never human. This guy was never Arthur Douglas. No, no. Although, hey, wouldn't it be funny if in Infinity War or something they go to Earth and it's like, okay, you need a fake name. Who are you going to call yourself? Um, Arthur Douglas. Well, that's the thing. Like, maybe, like, all the characters get infected by some Infinity Stone, like the reality or something, and his is like a life on Earth with his family. Interesting. If uh, if we were ever to see Moondragon, like, I'm casting her in my mind, like, oh, who would I have liked to have seen play Moondragon. They're not married anymore, but Chris Pratt was married to Anna Faris. I would have loved to have seen Anna Faris join these movies as Moondragon. (laughs) Hey guys, it's me. She'd have to shave her head for it, which would be unfortunate. Yeah, well, if Karen Gillian can. Yeah, that's right. Although, apparently, uh, she didn't have to shave her head for this one. They actually built her a prosthetic headpiece so she could keep her hair. Yeah, and it, it, I think she had to just cut it short. Yeah, looks really good. <laughs> yeah, this is just some good old-fashioned space pirate stuff. We're heroes now, which means more work. Yeah, and more money. Mm-hmm. But will the, our heroes' greed get the better of them? Let's watch and find <laughs> out. <laughs> Units is the unit of currency in the space. How easy to remember. That's like the the unit of currency in like every sci-fi that or credits. Credits, yeah. How many credits? Credits will do fine, Matt. Of course, your Republican credits are no good out here in the Sovereign. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't know this when I first saw the movie. Someone had to explain this to me. But Aisha in the comics was known as her and she was like a counterpoint to Adam Warlock which makes sense because we see Adam Warlock at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. and these kind of like these guys kind of come off as like the the church of um oh what is it yeah 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 yeah, like weird. That's, pr- that's pr- pretty much what they are. They're a little of everything, you know. That's that's kind of what's cool about these Guardians movies is that you know they don't look like they honor the comics, but they actually do pick a lot of pieces from all over the place. It's it's almost Batman the animated series esque, where it's like, no, we're gonna take everything from every era. Mm-hmm. Nebula, just one of the many characters who gets a beefed up role in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. And I imagine she will in Infinity War as well. Yes, she will be back for that, which is cool. Hell, apparently uh, James Gunn liked Nebula so much, he's like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we did like a Nebula spinoff movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bunch of crazy alien supremacists, a bunch of eugenics freaks. Yeah. That's pretty creepy and also a good foil for the Guardians of the Galaxy who are very grungy, very, you know, populist type heroes. Yep. He ain't from Missouri. Your genes offend me. And I also don't like how you were born. <laughs> uh oh, there's Rocket running his mouth. It's funny, I remember too when I first saw this movie, I'm like, oh god, I hope they're not, you know, flanderizing Rock, and I hope he's just, you know, not gonna say stupid stuff all the time now because woohoo, wacky, funny, but that actually informs his arc for the movie, why he does what he does. Yep, yep. Like, a weaker movie would have just made him do that. Like, I was very much reminded of, like, uh, Galifianakis in The Hangover, how his character just got, like, he became less and less human every time you saw him. Yeah, it just became, like, a running punchline. Yeah, it's like, he, he th these are the jokes, this is the gag, but, you know, they could have done that to Rocket, but they didn't, because the movie is actually in good hands, and they understand the importance of character work. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a freaking animated raccoon. And the effects are just great, aren't they, for Rocket? Like, they were good in the first one, and they're especially good here, because he's even more emotive, and you see even more of his face. Yeah, they make you care for a, a raccoon. Yeah, hell, the final shot of the movie is him just, like, you know, crying over his lost friend he had a moment with, and that's the final shot. <laughs> Again, ballsy-ass move. <laughs> it's hard not to just sing along, right? But I'm trying not to because I want to try and put this up on YouTube and I don't want uh, the copyright ninjas <laughs> to come after me. Don't want people wanting royalties from you. <laughs> yeah, really. I don't have it. Much like my child support payments, I don't have it. <laughs> mm. So Star-Lord's shirt, we've seen that freaking everywhere. Now that was a good piece of marketing. Yeah. Like, all, all his stuff like that is, is really good marketing. Mm -hmm. What is it? Uh, one of the sites I really like actually has the Star-Lord jacket. Not the trench coat, but the short version. It's like over a hundred bucks, and many a times I've thought, oh, oh, do, do I want to buy that? But, but where would I wear it, though? <laughs> People are like, wait, are you Star-Lord or are you White Thriller? Yes, I'm White Thriller. <laughs> White Thriller. That was also my name in college, White Thriller. It's a long story. <laughs> Drax, who has learned to laugh since the last movie, doesn't take himself as seriously, but still lacks a lot of uh, social graces. Yeah, well, he, he laughs at, like, everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he doesn't know how to laugh properly. Yeah, so he doesn't even really understand what comedy is. It's just people laugh, right? <laughs> you need to find a woman who is pathetic like you. <laughs> and even when he's trying to be supportive. And I hate you. Oh, sisterly rivalry right here.
See, now Matt and I are just watching. This is the problem with uh, doing a commentary on a good movie. <laughs> it is, it is. It's just hard not to just keep watching it. I'll, I'll say this, too. Uh, this is my first time watching it on my device because we got the digital copies and everything. Holy fuck, the colors look great on this. Oh, do they ever. Like, goddamn, like, if you have a really good TV to watch this on, this will just blow your dick off. It's so good. Yeah, I, I'd lo- I'd lo- I don't have one, but I'd love to be able to get a 4K TV mm. and Blu-ray player just to watch this film in 4K, because it's been released in 4K. Yeah, because they shot it on, like, those, what is it, Sony Digital Reds or whatever? This was like- They shot it on um, a bunch of uh, Aries, 4K mm. Aries. God damn, the colors are beautiful in this. Like, everything is so pastel. They really made a beautiful color palette for this, didn't they? They did, and, and it fits the characters so well as well. This this is what Marvel Space should look like, which is why I was happy when, you know, we looked over and we saw Thor Ragnarok, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's what it looks like, because that's what Marvel Space yeah, looks like. Yeah, it's, it's all Jack Kirby-fied. Yeah, basically. I think, I think the king would be happy if he could have uh, lived to see this. Yeah, I like I like the idea of this. Like, it, it's basically like a, like a game. It's for the them. last. It's the last Starfighter. Their whole military <laughs> is the last Starfighter. <laughs> I mean, shit. If war was like this, I'd sign up for the military. <laughs> I got my elite skills. I'm gonna get the high score in war. And we got Ben Bowler here. Uh-huh. That, that's the that, that he he's a sci-fi legend. Yep. A lot of sci-fi legends showing up in this movie, and also just a lot of James Gunn's friends show up. Yeah, yep. God, you really want to be good friends with James Gunn, because he'll probably put you in every one of his movies. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah, hey, you want to be an alien? Damn right I do. So apparently the Novas were actually in early cuts of this movie, but it had to be uh, jettisoned for time. We would have seen Nova Prime again, we would have seen the John C. Riley Nova guy again. Yeah, well, uh, near the end, when uh, Ego's plan starts to work and everything, mm. we do get to see seized and uh, so I imagine they're probably in that part of the movie, but right. had to be cut because of time. Yeah, I, doesn't uh, endanger the movie or anything. Still keeps the pace and everything. Yeah, absolutely. Would it would have been interesting to hear what they had to say? I wonder if they're sitting on those characters for if whenever they feel like uh, finally going a whole hog and making a Nova movie. Maybe. It's possible as well that they could appear in Infinity War, Avengers 4. Yeah, there's lots of place for it, especially as the... Because, I mean, to get the Infinity Stone, he's going to have to come to Xandar, so... Yeah, especially as the Marvel cosmic landscape just gets bigger and bigger. They, in just a few short scenes in this movie, they grow it in a gigantic fucking way. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we all know what scenes we're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just hitting the ground running this movie does. It's quite impressive. Oh no. And I mean really outside Star Wars, where else are you going to get such like cool space dog fights and everything? Yeah, that that's the thing you would think like nowadays because of, you know, technology is at where it is in terms of movie industry stuff. You think they would, we would have more like space opera mm. films and so and we we kind of do I mean Valerian just come out but apparently that's, you know, not doing very well. Yeah, apparently that bombed and, pretty fucking hard. Which man, the commercials for that movie couldn't have been trying harder to be like, "Hey, you liked Guardians, right? You'll like this." 
Mm. And it, it's kind of ironic as well because Valerian was like a, a huge inspiration on Star Wars. Oh, yes. Yeah, like it predates it. Yeah, and it was like a huge, like, like stuff from their comics was like adapted into Star Wars and stuff like that, but it's not doing very well. And it, the thing is, like, some of the trailers look really good for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I joked before I didn't even know what it was about, which only made me want to see it more because I'm like, what the fuck are you about? Yeah, well, it's like a what French comic or something, so it's kind yeah. of understandable you wouldn't know what it's about. Exactly, which I love all the commercials still had the gall to be, like, based on the world-famous comic. No, you mean yeah. the France-famous comic. You mean the Europe-famous comic, which that happens a lot. There's huge, like, European comic hits. Like, Dylan Dog was a huge Italian comic. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They're just trying to catch cash in on that comic book craze that's going along at the moment. And by saying that, it's a huge comic book that you've never People, heard of. We, we assume the gen, gen, heard. general audience will go, "Well, it must be pretty big if it's getting a movie." I, I thought because it was French, I thought you were going to say "Je gêne le public does not know about it." <laughs> oh, n'est-ce pas? Uh, again, too, because you know we were comparing this to Star Wars and everything. We have Han Solo coming out in the near future, which is ironically also about a team of scrappy space pirate smugglers. Would it not be hilarious? And again, I'm willing to put some money on this. I get the distinct feeling Han Solo will take a little inspiration from Guardians when we see it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, they're made in. I mean, it's both Disney, isn't it? And they clearly see where it's like you know this works. Well, well, I know um, Ron Howard is doing it as he's approaching it as like a space western. Yeah, that's cool. We'll probably be seeing some images from that pretty soon. We're getting close to that time. It still needs a title as well. That's right. It's just untitled Han Solo movie. Yeah. And now we're into the Looney Tunes segment of the film. <laughs> waka waka, next they're going to drop some anvils on them. Well, this is the only only like type of scene you can have with like a character like Drax, because he is superhuman. <laughs> He's basically Space Hulk, except for all those times that... Hulk goes to space. <laughs> and then he laughs it off. Yep. Haha, <laughs> I almost died. He's having a good time, he's passionate, you can feel it. Ow, ow, ow. I'm reminded of Homer Simpson falling down the gorge. Woohoo! Ow! ow, ow. <laughs> so right here too, the first of what will actually be be plenty of like ballsy creative writing choices here. They strand the ship, they take the Milano out of the equation for a good chunk of the movie, and then they see fit to separate the team this early into the sequel. Much like Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. you could really draw that comparison. Because, again, it's like a weaker movie wouldn't have been able to make this work, but they actually do make it work and end up having two really hard work in A and B plots. Mm. That sets up a lot of characters for the, part, uh, for the future as well. Indeed, and dovetails at just the right time for them to all come back together in the story. Hmm. We wouldn't have crashed if we had, didn't have teamwork. Yeah, really. Oh, th this is one of my favorites where he calls him a trash panda. 
<laughs> Which leads me to believe, I'm like, that's a very modern-isk meme you're laying down there, Star-Lord. I know you haven't returned to Earth because it's really painful to you, because that's where your family died, and because space is cooler and everything. But are, are, you, are you looking at the Earth internet? I think you're looking at the Earth internet. Well, I, I'd imagine, you know, back in the 80s, obviously raccoons would still be going through people's, people's <laughs> trash and everything, and it's probably something that was around during then. <laughs> Maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe it's a Missouri thing we don't know about. <laughs> I, I just like to imagine that Star-Lord's like, look, just because everything's cooler in space doesn't mean I'm not looking at Earth porn. Earth porn is just better. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's, it's free, yeah, that too. You know, all, all these awesome alien porn sites are behind paywalls, and I ain't doing that. I ain't made of money. Yeah, I ain't made of units. <laughs> I ain't made of units. Man, you, bet, I, you just know Yondu's got some amazing alien porn in his collection, right? Like some grainy VHS quality stuff. <laughs> what, what is Skrull Gangbang number seven, do, do I even? <laughs> <laughs> the Phalanx get fucked, what? <laughs> Hey, that's a game in the comments section, everyone. What's what's your Marvel Universe alien porn title? There's more than enough races. Yeah, so I, I really didn't think they'd put Mantis in the sequel, but they did, and she ends up stealing just about every scene she's in. Yeah, I think they wanted her in the first one. But oh, yeah. They, they couldn't, couldn't, like, work out how to properly do her so this is actually a really good way to introduce her it is oh, oh now this is m might be one of my favorite scenes <laughs> in the movie contraxia the hooker planet of snow <laughs> but it's fine they're robot hookers so no real like sentient beings were at howard yes howard the duck back again with seth mcfarlane but yeah, it's okay, they're robot hookers, so no real sex workers were harmed in this. It's, it's all fine and perfectly Disney, it's fine. <laughs> it's a magical hooker planet of neon and snow. Doesn't this planet look fucking awesome? It does. Also, n n nice joke there, James Gunn, calling this planet Contraxia. Yeah, I bet you're contracting a lot of shit on the robot hooker planet. <laughs> God, Space VD must be horrible. Oh, hey, also, we just saw, uh, what is it, the Scottish guy from Sons of Anarchy and uh, Smoke and Aces and a bunch of other movies. Yep. He, uh, he gets a role in this for the short amount of time he was in it. Again, which leads me to believe he must just be one of James Gunn's friends. Yeah, he probably is. He's also a character actor. That, too. Hard-working character actor. Yeah. Hey, look, it's Starhawk. Starhawk. Man, when I saw this in the theater originally, I'm like, my mind is blown right now. Sylvester Stallone is here in a Marvel movie as Starhawk. And there in the background, Martinex, played by Mark Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah, like, they just don't get nobody actors to play the OG Ravagers. They get, like, actual respected actors who could star in their own movie, and they might. Yeah, by the sounds of it, they probably will, and I hope they do. It's a really great idea, too, being like, look, no, the Ravagers isn't just one group that Yondu leads. It's like, it's like a biker club. There's chapters all over the place. Yeah, and then he got, he got you know, taken out of the Ravagers, so he had to have, like, his tattoo carved off with a yeah. Bowie knife. Yeah, yeah, I had to, the, the, they took, a, what is it, one of those torches to his back in a garage. <laughs> Oh, God, we're molding the Sons of Anarchy universe and the Marvel universe together. 
Mm. There's some foreshadowing right there. You'll never hear the horns when you die. The lights will never flash over your grave. If only we knew, right? <laughs> what strong foreshadowing that is. Now give us your badge and your gun and also your subway discount card. You're out of the Ravagers. <laughs> you can have my badge and my gun, but I'm keeping my subway card. <laughs> you can pry that from my cold blue hands, Rocky. Etu, Crystal Man. And here's our secondary villain of the movie, Taserface. Yeah. Maybe even third, because we got the Sovereign, we got Ego, we got Taserface. A lot of the Marvel movies have trouble just balancing one villain. Here we actually have three really strong, really well-defined villains. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was a good year for villains in comic book movies all around, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, except for, you know, Ares. Yeah, yeah, but it's hard to believe it's like the movie was doing fine <laughs> until he showed up. It's like, oh no, I, I, I liked you more as an abstract concept than when I actually saw you, but we'll save that for the Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another killer bit right here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little jokes. The classics never go out of style. Now, here's something I didn't know. You know how they make, like, fake snow in movies a good how, chunk of the time? How's that? Uh, shredded diapers. <laughs> that's, that's basically what it's made of, the same material. So they're, like, walking in shredded diapers just falling all around them. <laughs> God damn, that was a beautiful planet. Can we it was. I hope, I, hope we, I hope we get to see that more. Yeah, like, that was just, like, a planet of snow and neon. That's sick as fuck. And not not to say where we are now on the forest moon of Endor isn't also cool. <laughs> Can't you just imagine that the next the next hill over there's a bunch of little Ewoks yub yubbing it around. They're eating the Ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole cut scene where they hunted and ate Ewoks. Yeah, Rocket and Drax went and went and hunted them. <laughs> yeah, they're all bony. Terrible flavor to these Ewoks. Needs more salt. Also, too, to see Ego eating, he doesn't need to eat, but he does it anyway. Yep. Again, that's visual storytelling. Triangle face <laughs> monkey. <laughs> My face isn't a triangle. <laughs> Look, son, I want to put you in the will, okay? So just come to my awesome pad so I can put you in the will and I promise nothing evil will happen. <laughs> also, this omnipotent space god, I gotta go take a piss. Do you really, though? Or are you just trying to pass yourself <laughs> off as more human? Maybe he was just gonna go plant one of those things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how he does it. <laughs> just pushes it right out of his urethra. <laughs> That's a, that's a good attempt at a smile. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's great, too, you know, Drax, who found his humanity and found to be, you know, more personable in the first movie, now is playing father figure to this other character who lacks all social qualities. 
Yeah, she lacks them all, but she can also feel them all because of her powers. Yeah, it's really interesting to put them together. It's like, look, I know every emotion in the spectrum, but I do not know what they mean. Again, it's it's a really smart idea to team them up. <laughs> it's a practical joke. Uh, you almost got maimed. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when something bad happens and I'm just happy you're happy because I'm an empath and that's my thing <laughs> oh we're leading up to to the great uh, David Hasselhoff picture cameo that takes us through the movie <laughs> You mean Zadu Hasselfrau? Zadu Hasselfrau. Yes, that guy. It wasn't a magic boat, it was a talking car. It's amazing to think Hasselhoff is such a big part of these movies now, from his tangential hooked on a feeling connection in the first one to him actually being a super big part of this movie as well. Yeah, but he's even in it. He is, that's right. We had that great music video, too, that they released alongside the digital thing, where it's actually just him singing that song that's over the credits. Ah, uh, that's great. <laughs> it's about the movie, but not about the movie. It's great. And a bunch of the actors show up in it. Yeah, hitting home this big theme of family, and more importantly, deadbeat family, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Gamora and Nebula got a deadbeat dad in Thanos. Star-Lord has a deadbeat dad. Rocket and Yondu, as we find out, have no family, which is why they're kind of assholes and why they're afraid any familial connection because they're used to only fighting for themselves. Yep. Drax lost his and is now making a surrogate family with all of them, even Mantis. And, you know, Groot's a baby, so that's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's kind of got a point there, Peter. <laughs> yeah, but he's my dad, though, possibly. Also, I, I love the ship repair thing. It's literally like ship repair in a can. He's just spraying it on. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a pressure washer or something. <laughs> in the future, this is how things will get fixed. I, I hope when... When, like, Rocket meets Tony Stark, like, in the comics, like, he, he just laughs off Tony's technology yeah, as, like, funny. inferior, like he does in the comics. Also, hey, our first uh, round of Stevie Nicks' uh, Break the Chain, Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. We'll hear it again during the fight scene of the movie, which is funny that uh, it's the only song that shows up twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My dad Hasselhoff. <laughs> ah, the great space egg. So majestic, isn't it, Matt? Flying through this <laughs> air. Yep, they actually do a good job making Mantis more or less like she is in the comics. Yeah, pretty much. I think they keep just enough. to make sure you don't walk through doors. I like I I just love love that little bit because it, it's 
it's Drax being stupid and and Star Lord knowing he's being stupid, so he takes advantage of that. <laughs> That's their relationship. Now, this actress, uh, Palm Clementoff, has she been in anything else, or was this like her big breakout role? Um, I'm pretty sure she has. Um, she was in something that I watched not too long ago. I can't remember. Uh, I'll actually have a look. I uh, I remember when we first saw the trailer and like she had like the big laugh out loud moment in it. I'm like, man, I hope uh, she becomes like the next big costume, the way uh, Harley Quinn costumes became. Never did though. No, no, she she was in the American version of Old Boy. Right. Uh, she's she's had a bunch, but I think it's mainly been stuff <laughs> like overseas stuff or something. Right. Yeah. Funny thing is, she's Canadian. Is she really? Yeah. Huh. I'll be damned. Yeah, Batista just spends a good chunk of this movie laughing at shit. <laughs> <laughs> do me, do me next. <laughs> and takes the laughter from him, and now they're all just falling out. I have never felt such humor. <laughs> Everybody point and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't touch me. Don't don't give me the laugh. Oh, <laughs> it's like yelling at the special kid. Come on. <laughs> and that's terrifying too. Where it's like, yeah, look, I can feel your feelings, but I can also make you feel other stuff. <laughs> and again, that's signposting for later on in the movie when she's actually able to take out Gamora by making her feel fear. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty powerful power. It is. It doesn't seem like much, but it, you know, used in the right way, you could probably take out most people. I mean, hey, I would love a human ambient to help me sleep sometimes. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be getting really annoying with it. Hey, can you just can you just knock me out? I just need, I just need a short little nap so I can do my commentary tonight. Can you just can you just give me a little <laughs> sleep? Yeah, can you alter the times on that? Can I sleep, like, just for maybe three hours? Because I don't want to sleep too much and be cranky later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and she'd just be like, nah, you know, you're, you're really abusing this. Some cool space guns, too. I'd love to check out the prop house where they made these. Oh, God. When, when I went to the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe exhibition here in Australia, they had, they had some of them, and they had, like, Star Wars guns stuff. Oh, they look so cool. Yeah, he just ate a spider. Yeah, well, you gotta get your protein where you can find it. That's right, he took a needle to the face, so... Yeah. He used to be an adventurer, then he took a needle to the face. <laughs> also, man, really going to show how good in a fight Rocket is, where it's like, look, I don't even need to touch you, I'm such a crazy adventurer, I'll go friggin' Rambo on your asses. <laughs> Bring all your armies. Bring all your legions. Ain't gonna do shit to me. He's going all Kevin McAllister on him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Home Alone, The Woods. Hey, there's a sequel they should have made. Home Alone, minus the home. <laughs> I, I like, too, they're saving the idea that Rocket Raccoon still has no idea what a raccoon is, which means inevitably when they go to Earth in Infinity War, you can probably see some raccoons for the first time. 
Well, I imagine like people like Tony Stark and all the heroes on Earth will be like, why do you have a raccoon? What? And it would just be getting mad at him. What is that? Actually, I remember Bendis wrote a book. I think it was the first time the Avengers and Guardians like ever teamed up in like a modern uh, thing. And at the end of that story, they're in the woods and they're leaving on their ship and Rocket sees some raccoons off in the forest. And he's like, those are stupid. Let's go back to space. <laughs> and that'll probably be the joke in the movie. Those are stupid. Let's go back to space. Again, I mentioned Looney Tunes before. This is totally like a Roadrunner Wiley Coyote moment, how he takes them all down. <laughs> Only, you know, with more actual implied death. <laughs> yeah, a bit more brutality. Yeah, because, you know, they're not invincible like all those cartoon characters I mentioned. Hey, there's something for you. I'm surprised no one's ever uh, put together. What's, what, what's the death count for uh, the Guardians in general? Uh, probably pretty high. Yeah, higher than you think, I would assume. I mean, Rocket probably, what, like about 20 maybe in this, give or take? Well, I don't know if he killed most of them. I know, like, some of them he did, but some probably didn't die. Right, yeah, because we see a bunch of them later on the ship. Man, that, that arrow, so freaking cool and gets so much play in this movie, doesn't it? It is. It's pretty. It's too OP. It, it kind of is. They need to nerf him in the next update, and indeed they did with death. <laughs> <laughs> to think that's his arc in this movie, Yondu. They make him the best, coolest, most awesome guy, then they kill him at the height of his popularity. Would you really help, though? I don't know. And again, keeping up the whole heroes of questionable morality thing, where it's like, look, I was totally ready to bring you in for the reward money, but no, I didn't want to kill you or do any of this other stuff. And you also can't fault uh, a lot of his followers, too, where it's like, yeah, it seems like you do have, you know, Quill's best interest in mind and not ours. He's the one who left, and we are also a weird surrogate family, and you're being a father who's playing favorites <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, hey, we kind of want to get paid for our work <laughs> yeah i mean it's really apparent in craglin who of course betrays yondu here and then later says i'm sorry i did a mutiny because <laughs> he's totally <laughs> they, killed, they killed all my friends <laughs> yeah because he's treating it very much like the good son where it's like you know well, well i stayed and he left though but why do you keep favoring him over me when i'm mm -hmm. supposed to be like your right hand man man yeah that's pretty much what it is yeah and again, gets a fuck of an arc for like not even like a minor, like a minor, minor character, but Craglin gets a full arc in this. Hey man, James Gunn's just watching after his brother, make sure his brother's got a career. Yeah, exactly, making sure his brother gets work. Which, hey, if they do do a third one, and obviously they will, I guess Craglin is now the de facto leader of this chapter of uh, Ravagers. Granted, most of them are I, dead, and he's the only member. I th no, I think. Well, I think Peter is because they. I think they say it at the end, like after when he gives him the zune. Right. Well, who saw that coming? <laughs> and I got my damn fruit finally. Ah, she was right though. It wasn't ready yet. <laughs> I hate that she was right. <laughs> As I hate most things. 
And here's Ego, the not-quite-living planet, but still-living planet. I don't know. Well, there, there is a part, like, further in the movie where a face forms on the planet. We do see that. That is a true thing. They, they definitely have their cake and eat it, too. And it, it, the planet technically is Ego because that body is just, like, just a, a manifestation. Yeah. It's a hard light construct. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This is, a, this is also around the point, too, where they say that Ego is a celestial, which is a major change from the comics. But, you know, I accepted it. It's easy to explain. They already explained what celestials were in the last one. Mm-hmm. I mean, is celestial just going to be the catch-all word now for any, like, super crazy, powerful, well, eternal character? Well, the, thi the thing is, like, can you really trust Ego in him saying that though that's true he's he, he could be just liar. saying that just to just to like make everyone say feel safe about what everything on the planet is right make himself look a little bit more important and a little bit more altruistic yeah yeah you're right i mean i never even consider that matt he could totally have just been lying yeah well i mean he's, he lies about everything else yeah, it's true you know who's to say yeah what well, why would he tell the truth about that one thing It's a beautiful looking planet though, isn't it? It's a sci-fi wonderland, you could call it. I don't think those fish want to be uh, twirled around like that. I don't think they agreed to that. <laughs> help, uh, help us! <laughs> we used to be people! He turned us into fish! Yeah, they're all the corpses of his other children. Oh, no. Yeah, see, w w upon, uh, you know, repeated viewings, this all gets much darker and creepier, doesn't it? And now, welcome to my Hall of Me, where I, you know, talk about my favorite subject, which is me. I'm not self-involved or something. I like, did he have this, like, set up for, like, if people just come to the planet, he's like, come learn who I am, come on, quickly. Yeah, really, he has a whole freaking uh, freaking slideshow devoted to him, the alien equivalent of a slideshow. And in the beginning, there was only me. I bring up the celestial thing, because obviously, you know, we've seen people like the collector and everything like that they've never called them elders of the universe but that's what they are and obviously we're going to see jeff goldblum in thor ragnarok as another elder of the universe i wonder are they going to actually get named oh yeah i think they i know jeff goldblum says that he knows his character is an elder of the universe so right. it's possible because I wonder if they're going to try and make that distinction where it's like look celestials elders of the universe these are these are different things they're, they're different tiers of power in the Marvel cosmology. Mm. Did you make a penis? <laughs> and I love this here Drax in this one situation. It was like, no, you're all being weird and prudish. The funny thing is, this when when it was announced that he would be Ego, that was like one of the questions that, that people had. They're like, how does a planet make a baby with a woman? <laughs> he has his ways. So yeah, Drax just became the audience for a second. <laughs> yeah, say, like, hey man, I, I I got it all. I'm I'm more human than human. I'm I'm the best at being human. 
man, Ego, your origin story has all these great production qualities to it. <laughs> he made it in like the the, the the space equivalent of like Sony Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, geez, I hope you guys liked it. You know, I really took time editing it and tweaking the music and everything to get yeah. it just right. I, I come off yeah. as really nice and sympathetic in this story, don't I? <laughs> I had to look up a bunch of tutorials online yeah. on Space YouTube. <laughs> space YouTube. Man, how great and or terrible must Space YouTube be? Man, all these alien streamers all over the place. Everyone's asking me to give to their alien version of Patreon. <laughs> look, I'd love to support you on Alien Patreon, but I'm making my own space videos on SpaceTube. Hey, you'll like this part because you're in it. <laughs> and that's when I totally porked your mom with my space seed. And that's why you're a wicked awesome demigod. How, how's that feel, son? <laughs> also, hey, tying it back to the first movie when I heard there was a guy from Earth who didn't die holding an infinity stone. Peter eventually asking the important questions of, hey, if you knew mom died and you knew all this other stuff, why didn't you come back for me? Why did you hire a weirdo like Yondu to pick me up? <laughs> look, I, look I, I was busy. There was lots of things happening on space TV at the time. I was binge watching a lot of shows. I, I just couldn't be asked <laughs> for the last 34 years. <laughs> but hey, you my, turned out my, ship, my, my, my egg ship was in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> for 34 years. Oh, bye character actor. I was shocked they killed him off because I'm like, yo, but he's got a face and a name, and oh, he's gone now. Stakes. Yeah, yeah, stakes are high. Anyone can die, even if they are beloved character actors. That's got to be a shitty way to go. Like, that's up there in top ten shittiest ways to go, freezing to death in the cold, unforgiving vacuum of space. Yeah. This is also probably one of the more realistic interpretations of dying out in space, too, where it's like, no, you wouldn't, like, suffocate, you wouldn't blow up or anything. No, you'd freeze to death. It's cold out in space, and no one can hear you scream. Aw, bad feels. Now, I could be wrong, too, but Taserface... He's also someone from the comics, too, but he was part of, like, a weird group of aliens called the Stark that, like, warshipped a bunch of, like, Iron Man tech that fell on their planet. Again, I could be so, wrong. Yeah, I know he's technically from the comics. I think I read that somewhere. I, again, don't quote me on that because I don't know what exact story he's from. But, man, do they get some good comedy out of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we got comedy villains, we got serious villains, this movie's got it all. He's definitely from that Klingon school of aliens and let's give you a weird butthead thing. <laughs> Although he actually probably looks more like classic Klingons than the new movie Klingons do. Yeah. The new movie Klingons look more like orcs. 
just to get really nerdy on you there and bring together Lord of the Rings and Star Trek and Guardians all together. <laughs> Bradley Cooper actually being one hell of an impressionist, all things considered. <laughs> and now that's a name that would totally fit in in the Mad Max universe. There'd totally be a guy called Scrotum Hat. Oh, <laughs> uh, who really runs this ship? And also showing, too, that maybe Nebula's not all bad. Maybe there's, you know, a lot of depth to her. Again, did she do that because she probably thought they could break out? Or did she do that because, you know, she really wanted the money? We'll, we'll never know. Probably both. Yeah. She wanted to get off the ship because she knew they'll break out, and she wanted the money so she can go stop her father. It's a win-win. Ooh, fancy new Luke Skywalker hand. No wonder if Bucky will end up getting, like, a space arm. <laughs> It'd be funny, we got a lot of characters with space arms now. I wonder if, you know, him and Nebula could ever meet up and talk shop about their space arms. Yeah, well, I know Rocket would probably want his arm. <laughs> yeah, I need it, no, really. Oh. Now here's the sympathizing of Nebula going on. This this is why I am the way I am. This is why I'm a weird robot person. Yep. And turns out I'm actually super sensitive about it. And also kind of throwing Gamora under the bus a little bit here. Going, you know, why, why was winning so important to Gamora time after time? <laughs> or you know like a pretty necklace or something <laughs> <laughs> nice hat <laughs> again this movie is kind of a master at that where it's like we'll give like a really important like really uh, you know character driving soliloquy that's you know very serious and very mature and everything and then undercut that with like a perfectly timed joke <laughs> It's, it really has its uh, cake and eat it too, doesn't it? In multiple scenes. It, it Yeah, it really does. Like, even the last little bit as we'll get there. Uh, like, like I think Yondu's funeral is a perfect example of that, where it's like, yes, we're serious and you can take us seriously, but we're also joking and having a fun time too. Now, now, here's an idea I think you were kicking around to me, too. You know, because he's part celestial or something, Peter, he can control the elements on this planet, and yet one of the only things that Star-Lord doesn't have in the movies that his comic counterpart does is the element gun. Yeah, pretty much the same yeah, and sort I, of deal. <laughs> I know you kicked around the idea where it's like, wouldn't it be cool if Rocket took, like, some, you know, rocks from this planet now that it's destroyed and fashions it into a gun for Star-Lord so he can actually have his elemental gun and actually have it have a bigger meaning and history in the story of the movies. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be a smart idea. I'd like to see them do that. 
We're also heading into the father-son uh, catch moment, but, you know, the space opera version of that. <laughs> you see everything the light touches, Peter? One day that will be yours. Yeah, but only if you let me use you as a battery. Yeah. <laughs> but what about those shadowy places over there? You go, oh, we don't go there. Those are the dark lands, the fox lands. And then they all just gather around and sing Circle of Life. I like that since we know the end game of Ego, we know why he's so happy that Peter can do that. Mm -hmm. I like uh, having powers too. What's uh, what's Peter's end game for that? Where he's just like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna build some crazy shit. I'm gonna have Skeletor and Pac-Man, and I'm like, so Minecraft, you're gonna use your amazing powers to play World Minecraft, <laughs> but for realsies. <laughs> hey, catch, Dad. I'm having so much fun with my deadbeat dad who abandoned me. It's everything I've ever wanted. Man, those backgrounds are pretty killer, aren't they? They they really are. You really feel like they're standing there when you know they're not. What do you think they were throwing back and forth? You think they were throwing like one of those orange tennis balls or something? Probably. Again, everyone has an arc, and now they're building up the Mantis arc of her eventually, you know, turning against Ego and helping out her new friends. And Drax being the weirdest, but, like, most needed teacher. <laughs> You're horrifying to look at, yes! The Zen of Drax. He's laying down some truths. Yeah. I mean, he has a really fractured view of the universe, but it's interesting. Again, that's what happens when you have a fully fleshed out character. It, it must be a real challenge to write for Drax in these movies, but it must be really rewarding, too. And, like, just give credit to where credit is due for frickin' Dave Batista. Probably second only to The Rock in terms of, like, uh, wrestlers turned actors. Oh god, yeah, he's he. I think he even like went to like acting school for like this role. He did. He actually like took a bunch of acting classes and like he's actually taken this shit a hundred percent seriously. It's paying off for him as well because he he was just in James Bond. He's in the new Blade Runner. He's, yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's got a bunch of big movie roles coming up for him, and good for him. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. And again, too, mentioning his daughter back there and how he lost her, which is why he's kind of sort of adopted Mantis as a surrogate daughter. I like that. Which would be interesting, too, if his actual daughter Moondragon ever came back in the movies to see, like, oh, hey, I come back and you already kind of have a fill-in daughter. The fuck's up with that? Yeah, like, what would happen? Yeah. Again, lots of interesting places they could take these movies. Mm-hmm. Again, well, we keep up the bug metaphor, and here you are mentioning fleas. Yeah. 
Forget. L lying is also something of a foreign language to me. Uh, poor Yondu, they took his head thing, but he'll get a cooler head thing. A more comic accurate yes. head thing. Which again, they didn't have to do that, but the fact that they actually wanted to give that to the fans, give them a cooler, more comic accurate fin thing, is sweet. <laughs> Every time I see the dude with the goggles, I can't help but think of the Mythbusters like that's the surrogate son of both the Mythbusters together became that guy. <laughs> And I know that guy's also, like, a well-known character actor. Like, I've seen him in other shit, too. Mm. Aww. And again, everyone gets backstory, everyone gets an arc, even Yondu. Yeah, we get to learn a little about him. He's a Kree battle slave, and mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. Again, keeping up the idea of surrogate families. My own family sold me into slavery, but I found a new one with the Ravagers, and now we're kind of having a family falling out right now, which very much mirrors Rocket's own falling out with the Guardians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he says it at the end of the movie, I know what you're about, Rocket, because I am you, and this is your future if you don't change your ways. To think they get so much character and so much pathos out of the talking raccoon in the blue man. Yeah, it's it's quite quite amazing what they've been able to do with yeah a talking raccoon. Yeah, yeah, that's that's movie magic for you. By <laughs> those disgusting ass teeth, I think those might just be Rooker's real teeth. <laughs> Good for thieving. I feel like Steve Rogers says the th same thing about Bucky. He was young and skinny and good for Warren. <laughs> I like what's their big torture for Groot turning him into a mascot, giving him a little outfit that he hates. <laughs> no, I don't wear clothes. This is the worst thing ever. <laughs> They should, they should have given him a hat. <laughs> a little hat. Hats. <laughs> As we find out later, Groot hates hats. Not just on himself, on anybody, on principle. <laughs> oh, no. Aww. <laughs> Being mean to the little tree. Look at him. Aww. Doing the sad walk. <laughs> Hey buddy, you okay? <laughs> I, I I like that. Even though they could have gotten someone else, they still got Vin Diesel back to do the voice. I know, right? Hey buddy, you have a rough day at the office. Wanna wanna help us break out of prison? Yeah. <laughs> you want some McDonald's? <laughs> also, too, when they shot the fin off, it's like, oh, that was a robot thing that wasn't part of his head. All right. Yeah, there's like a cybernetic enhancement or something. Mm-hmm, which apparently this universe is rife with. Yeah, you know, the Ravager ship is pretty big. They don't all have to sleep in one big pile, but they choose to. 
it's 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 more likely it's where they fall when they've had enough drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's when they just sleep where they fall. Or you know, it's cold in space, so you got to share all the body heat you can. Everyone get in the pile as orders of Captain Taserface. <laughs> <laughs> Get a lot of good use out of those space rats. They keep coming back. Just doing Pictionary. Okay, two words. <laughs> oh, Boonie wakes up and he doesn't have his eye. Yeah, Rocket really has a thing for stealing uh, medical parts, doesn't he? <laughs> Look, I just bought the whole freaking desk. An actual desk. We've we've all been there, right? Someone says, no, it's a thing. Yeah, bring me this thing. And you're just like, fine, here, I brought the whole container. <laughs> like that, just a severed toe. <laughs> Please tell me you guys have a refrigerator somewhere with a bunch of toes in it. No. Got this on it. <laughs> he thinks you want you to wear his hat. Uh, again, we learn about Groot's character. Not only does he not like clothes, he hates hats too. Because you might see a guy with a weird head and just be like, "No, nah, it's just a hat." I mean, that's that's something. That's that, that, that's a character trait right there. Is what that is. I bet Groot really hates backwards hats too. <laughs> I'm trying to think how many superheroes are out there that he could run into who wears hats that he might not enjoy. Oh, I know one. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is a is is a mask a kind of hat? That's that's another one for the for the group chat down there. But is a mask is, a hat? What about a helmet? Mm, a helmet is a hat. I think that's fair to say. Now we're getting so like so like he doesn't ha he doesn't like cap because he wears a helmet <laughs> sometimes, but only sometimes. Now we're getting into like is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> Which it is not. Yes, it's meat and bread, but it is not a sandwich. <laughs> Ravager salute. Sorry for doing a mutiny. Oh, shit. I like to, uh, Peter's love of music is clearly infectious to everyone on the team. Yeah, I guess because it's something they haven't heard before. Yeah, not that Earth music, now they're all getting into it. So it's like the writers ask themselves, how do we top uh, Yondu killing all those guys with the arrow in the first movie? This is how. Let's turn it not just into a cool escape action scene, but let's actually do something damn near artistic with it. Yeah. While listening to Jay and the Americans. Yeah. Which again, Jay and the Americans are like, wow, what a great tribute to our song. 
Look at those very Han Solo looking blasters they had. <laughs> Damn it, if only we weren't such, you know, heavy sleepers, none of this would have happened. Oh, there's the cool walking down the hallway montage. Badasses walking in a straight line, yeah. Worked for Tombstone and it works for this. Hey, you tell Taserface I'm coming and space hell is coming with me. <laughs> I'll be your Huckleberry Star-Lord. <laughs> God, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I get the feeling this crew of Ravagers will need to have a recruitment drive. <laughs> just just a small one, you know, a little bake sale or something yeah, to get yeah. some members. Just get some members going. It's like, okay, you know, we, we looked over your resume, you know, you got a lot of good qualifications here. Uh, are you okay with potentially being murdered either by a group of mutineers or by the guy you tried to mutiny? <laughs> oh, this is such sweet revenge right here. Hey, 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 hey you, you come back. <laughs> <laughs> Dance! <laughs> yeah, that is, some, <laughs> that is some poetic justice right there. <laughs> Feel better after murdering that guy? Yep. <laughs> yeah, this bit right here where it really kicks in. This is some cool shit. We get, like, the crazy top-down, like, Grand Theft Auto yeah. PC version of everything. <laughs> yep. And his kill streak is so high. For real. Sadistic. Killing no one's e No one's even hit him yet. <laughs> no, I know, right? I think he's playing with hacks turned on. <laughs> hey, he's shooting him through the walls. <laughs> Rocket just got a little assist right there when he shot that one guy. He'll he, 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 he'll make it on the thing at the end, but just by a little. I mean, like, fuck, he's got, like, a triple S rank, double platinum right now. <laughs> they will have to nerf Yondu in the next update. To think, uh, to think we actually did get uh, a Guardians game, but it was like a Telltale game. I'm surprised they never tried anything else with the franchise. Yeah, I never played that Telltale game, but I heard it's kind of mediocre. I'm waiting for it to be done. I, I, I've genuinely loved everything I've played from Telltale, but they came out with so much so quick I couldn't catch up, and the general consensus I seem to be hearing is, yeah, they did too much at once. Yeah, well, they just... I, I just bought the the Batman game, the first season of it, and played through that, and it was it was okay. But they really need to update their engine. Yeah, like that's... desperately. Yeah, it's like that's the thing too. Like I love all those Telltale games, but at the same time too, yeah, that that engine. It's like you've had this for how long now, guys? Yeah, well, it's been going since what before the Walking Dead started. Yeah, so it's like Jurassic Park. Yeah, so they just need to do something just to upgrade the graphics a little bit, and they'll be fine. What you think they could do? It's like, guys, you have the hottest franchises. You're raking in money yeah. hand over fist. Maybe that's maybe they don't want to because then that limits them being able to put out, you know, five games at once or something. Yeah, that might be why they have it down pat at this point. I can understand that fear. I I don't change a lot of stuff sometimes because I'm like, no, but I know how to work this. Hey, look, the front of the ship was actually a smaller ship. 
It's like a kinder surprise of spaceships. <laughs> we like ships in ships. I remember I, I saw a picture that like someone like that the screen rocket was flicking through like stopped on all the planets and one of them was actually Hala. Yeah. Oh eight we got the rock guys from Thor and uh yeah, Korg. Yeah, Korg guys. Oh no, this is a pretty sweet effect. <laughs> Don't they pass through, like, the microverse and, like, uh, the dark world, too? Pretty much, yeah. Again, hey, growing that Marvel cosmology in just a couple short scenes. There's your nightmare fuel, too, for the weak kids, seeing the characters get all distended and fucked up. This bit here also answering the questions that I think many critics had, too, when they saw the movie, and that is, well, why can't Gamora and Star-Lord get together? It seems like there's nothing stopping them. Well, because it would be like Shears. If they got together, then the ratings would go down, and there'd be no more mystery. That's why. <laughs> they, they just automatically address it in the film, like, openly. Yeah, openly. It's like, and this is why we can't get together, because it's more interesting if we don't. To which, again, it's like, you know, that's some... That's some pretty big lampshading to be like, and this is why. Also, too, I mean, everyone's getting so de so much development in this movie, too. I'm not really, you know, sour that there's not much of a romantic side plot going on. Nah, it'll come, but not now. I mean, like, not like every what? movie needs one. I feel like that's such a default for movies. It's like, okay, and what's your romantic side plot? Yeah, yeah. That's what, why I don't, I don't understand. Like, people were getting mad at, um, like, Hulk and, and Black Widow mm. getting together. I'm like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. It was done pretty well. Yeah, was, I still don't get that. I wonder. I, I mean, hopefully they'll address that in Infinity War when those characters get back together. I imagine they will. I hope, like, in, in the Bendis Guardians run, Iron Man tries to hit on Gamora. <laughs> that would be funny. Well, it's funny, too, because, like, in the comics, Gamora had a much longer-standing relationship with uh, Richard Rider Nova than she did Star-Lord. Mm-hmm. In fact, like, even as late as the Bendis run in Guardian, she was still kind of torn up about what happened to, to old Dick Rider. I am still forever entertained by that, that there is a character yep. <laughs> in the Marvel cosmology whose name is literally, when you break it down, Dick Ryder. <laughs> Dick Ryder at your service. No, no, thank you. Thank you. Th thank you, Richard. I'm fine. Yeah, right here where they address it. Yeah, trust issues, another big theme of this film. Everyone has reasons to have them. <laughs> and I don't know what Cheers is. See, that's what they gotta have. Like, that's gotta be, like, a little side thing where, like, uh, Star-Lord finds a bunch of old VHSs from Earth of old TV shows and makes the Guardians watch it, MST3K <laughs> style. Or the reverence at which he talks about stuff from Earth, like they think it's like some crazy important, like, Earthling art artifact. No, it's Cheers. <laughs> or when he comes back to Earth, they, he finds out about stuff like Netflix. <laughs> yeah, just have his mind be fucking blown. 
Actually, that'd be funny, too, because you can team him up with Captain America and Captain America be like, well, you know, I had to catch up on a bunch of stuff, so let me help you out. Cap should give him that list he made in Winter Soldier. Yeah, here you go. I'm uh, y- You can cross a couple off of those. Yeah, let's do Star Wars movies, like new ones. Don't watch the, the ones from the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me warn you, do- stay away from these. It's not worth it. Also, don't watch Lost, or like watch it, but don't watch the last episode. Make up your own ending. <laughs> also, Dexter, you can stop watching after these seasons. <laughs> the Naruto time jump, Peter. The Naruto time jump. <laughs> As they drag Cap away to the fight. <laughs> And here's theirs, little aside here to work out all their issues. The only way they know how, by attempting to murder one another. Yeah, the only way. <laughs> this is healing! This is counseling and coming together! <laughs> I feel much closer to you now! And again, when you eventually break down what they're fighting over, it couldn't be more sibling. You always had to win. You always had to be the important one. He never let me win any of the games. Yeah, really. And I'm still mad at you as an adult over this. Although, arguably, their their stakes are a lot higher. You didn't let me win, so (laughs) Daddy replaced my brain. Yeah, so I was literally tortured and mangled and turned into a robot person. Yeah, the, the, the abuse they suffered is a little worse. Which I'm sure is another reason why uh, Gamora has such issue with what Quill's doing right now with his own dad. Where it's like, I finally found my dad. Aren't you happy for me? Yeah, I had a dad, and he was a piece of shit. Dads aren't ultimately worth it a lot of the time. She she, she was right, basically. Yeah, and she was totally 100% on the money, too. I, I know I mentioned this on the podcast, too. I wonder, because they, uh, they talk about uh, the, the Blackguard, uh, Thanos' followers in Infinity War. They mm-hmm. describe them as the children of Thanos. I wonder if that is literal or figurative in this movie case. Yeah, well, it might end up being that they're like, oh, Gamora and Nebula left him and everything, so he got these 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 followers, these children, yeah. as as his new children. Yeah. Which, although I really do just kind of love the idea of Thanos being like, let my seed go throughout the starways. <laughs> he heard of e- Ego's exploits. <laughs> Thanos mad titan on an endless quest to, you know, appease Lady Death and get some action. <laughs> well, hey, they kind of did that in uh, Jason Aaron's uh, Thanos miniseries. They're like, yeah, and Thanos, before he became a warlord, spent some time, ironically, as a space pirate. And he boned a bunch of, like, alien prostitutes, and that's why, like, you know, Thane and shit exists now. <laughs> Thane, there's a character I'd like to see in the movies. They absolutely could go that direction, because they're building up all this shit with Inhumans now and everything. Imagine if he just showed up in the Inhumans show, and it's like, yeah, I'm Thane, I'm the son of Thanos, and I'm also an Inhuman. That'd be pretty cool. It would be. Aw, you just wanted to win, and I just wanted a sister. You were my everything. Aw. <laughs> Again, it's a light, breezy, action-packed summer blockbuster that also manages to balance a lot of really sad and depressing <laughs> themes. <laughs> Aw.
Man, Gillen's just fucking going for it, and this one, isn't she? She does a really good job. You can tell that she's one of Gunn's favorites because she's written such strong material in this sequel. And hey, it's the trigger song of the movie. No, I had a fight with my green girlfriend. I'm not all right, Dad. <laughs> Can we talk about it? <laughs> Looking glass. He, what's he call it? Like, you know, one, one of the greatest compositions of Earth of all time. <laughs> Which, again, is probably why the Looking Glass guy was like, damn, this movie's putting me over pretty fucking hard, isn't it? <laughs> Aliens think that's one of the finest pieces of recording. Yep. That's yeah, what it's all about right here. And again, you know, Russell does such a good job building Ego as a character, and, you know, they make sure to write him as being layered and complicated. When he says, you know, I did actually love your mother, and if I ever did come back again, I probably would have stayed, I kind of believe him when he says that. Yeah, he, pr he probably would. Yeah. But again, you know, he's so self-important you know, so and so self-consumed. I mean, his name is fucking Ego, for crying out loud. <laughs> he only ca cared about himself and growing, you know, his, his greatness. I am immortal. I have inside me blood of kings. Yes, Peter, we are Highlanders. <laughs> hey, that's a, that's a movie he's probably seen, right? Highlander. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, when, when did Peter get taken from Earth? Oh, fuck, I should know this. Highlander might have been a little after he got taken away. Yeah. <laughs> like, this trying to convince him. Mm -hmm. It's like, we'll, we'll do a little bit of genocide, but it'll be for the good. Just, just, just a little bit. You, you can't make a space omelet without cracking some space eggs. <laughs> Everything is space with you, huh, Ego? Well, I am a planet. Hmm. I don't know how to feel about most things, but I know how I should feel about this. <laughs> I love this is instantly where his mind jumps to. No, no. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> I found you disgusting. <laughs> I like to imagine, too, Drax's wife, who he keeps, like, describing as, you know, like, so beautiful and everything. I imagine it's like a Scotsman and Samurai Jack thing if we ever actually got to see her. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, yeah, this is just how his species feels about beauty as ultra-literals. And the long, awkward walk back after just trying to kill one another. <laughs> you started it. No, you started it. Uh, and here's the slow, slow turn to villainy. Now, it's funny. I, I will admit, up until this time, you know, in the movie, 
Like, I kind of thought Ego might be evil, but at the same time, too, they actually do manage to make it a somewhat pretty interesting twist because you had Taserface and you had the Sovereign and you had these, like, red herring villains. Mm-hmm. It's like you forgot where it's like, oh, shit, we're an hour 30 in the movie and they haven't, uh, there's no reason for them to save the universe yet. Well, it's, it's like Peter probably would have helped him if he hadn't have said that he was the one responsible for his mother dying. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to think of, isn't it? I also like, too, when he hooks him up to the power and he gets, like, you know, he, he gets the quickening to borrow another Highlander thing. He becomes one with the universe. He says, I can see it. I can see eternity. And obviously, as a Marvel nerd, I'm thinking, wait, does he mean, like, the guy eternity? Or does he mean yeah. just, like, the concept of eternity? Because both are plausible. Yep. I-, I loved explaining that to someone who's like never, uh, who doesn't read comics but watches the movie, and I'm like, no, 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 Eternity is a guy in Marvel who just walks around and he's made of stars and planets and shit. Yep. And oh, there you see, you see in his eyes, there's stars and planets and and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, yeah. Whenever shit gets really hairy in Marvel, like freaking Eternity will come down. <laughs> I like this as well, just like a mass graveyard of all these children. And all these alien bones and shit. Uh... <laughs> Man, they must have had a lot of fun animating these and just really messing them up. Oh shit, here's something we never thought we would see. Stanley hanging out with Watchers. Man. Mm. Also confirms that he's not a watcher. Yes. Because he looks completely different. Yes, that long, long-held fan theory. Although, hilariously, he's talking about working for Federal Express, which was the first cameo I think he ever had in the Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, well, there, he's just, he's just like, playing himself. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Now, again, too, I, I like, this, uh, this kicked up a bunch of things about rights and who owns what. The rule is... They can have the race, the Watchers, but they cannot have a Watu, the named one. Yeah, that that one that they focused on was just a Watcher who who, who looks like Uatu. <laughs> yeah, who just looks exactly like him. And Ego, it gets a little more different than that. The deal with Ego was they were allowed to use Ego, but James Gunn and uh, Marvel Disney had to trade Fox for uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead. Mm-hmm. Which, oh. m- man, to think of characters that they traded for... <laughs> Yeah, a secondary character or a big Marvel bad guy. Yeah, where it's like a, a character people actually know of and who's actually like kind of important and everything, and a character nobody fucking heard of. I think Fox got a little ripped off in that deal, and I never thought I would actually take Fox aside in anything. It gets even worse as well because like Marvel will come like in in Captain Marvel, we're going to be getting the scrolls and everything. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if if a movie around that time from Fox has the Super Scrolls. Which, again, too, I think that perfectly shows that Fox has no fucking idea what they're doing and what cards are in their deck. But yeah, sure, we'll, we'll trade you, uh, Ego, for Negasonic Teenage War. Yeah, right, that's that's a fair trade, right? Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and Kevin Feige is just sitting at the table, uh, like, doesn't even know what the hell is going on. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Fe- uh, Feige-, Feige sitting at the table like Rocket with the batteries trying not to laugh and trying not to wink at the guys next to him 
He's like, yes, that's that's a a fair trade, guys. Oh, yeah, you you guys are making it real good on this one, so it's a good trade. Hey, you know, while we're at it, uh, how about, uh, you know, how about, uh, how about Kang the Conqueror? Just, you know, just maybe, maybe trade him to us for, uh, for, for, for Pace Pot Pete or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll give you Stiltman. Stiltman's yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, look, man, you, you can have all the Stiltman you want. Just, you know, just trade this Kang the Conqueror right quick. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then what do you want for Galactus? Oh, no, wait, no, no, wait. I, I think Galactus is important. I think, I think we have to keep him. Hey, I think. You know, you know. They could actually still do Kang the Conqueror. Yeah, they just have to be they, uh, stealthy about they, it. They could just make him um, Ahura Baltagon, like he was in uh, the Uncanny Inhumans. That's, that's something they could do. They could also, I think the problem with uh, Kang the Conqueror is, uh, what is it? He first shows up as a pharaoh in Fantastic Four, but actually shows up as Kang in an Avengers book. So you could have him, you just couldn't tell his origin. Yeah. Well, the, the the good thing about him being like a time traveler, you could change his origin to whatever. Absolutely. In fact, I'm sure they will at some point. Because that's the big discussion, right? Where it's like, after you do Thanos, what are you going to do? Well, I hope they go back to like a, an Earth-based like event or something. Not nothing space-worthy until like Avenger the next phase after that one. Right. I keep pitching Maestro. I think it would actually be very interesting to do an evil time-traveling yeah. version of the Hulk. Mm, yeah. Let's muff, uh, muffle... I almost called him Muffalo. Let's Muffalo pull triple duty. Well, I wouldn't mind if they brought in... Um, hmm. I'd, I'd like to see him do stuff like Mephisto or something. Mm, that'd be cool. Yeah, more magic-based. I've uh, I've said, too, if you did do a time travel one, if you did do Kang the Conqueror, you should totally go meta with it and make it like Terminator to where Kang wants to go back in time to Iron Man 1 and kill Tony Stark in Afghanistan so he can never have found the Avengers. That, that'd be pretty cool. And that means the Avengers get to go to the weird split timeline where Tony Stark died, the Chitauri attacked, and, like, Kang rules Earth now. Yep. And you can even have, like, evil cracked mirrored versions of uh, the characters, like, you know, like, Black Widow and Hawkeye join Kang's, like, weird Earth Guard now, because obviously, you know, they don't have S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore, and they never became Avengers, and they stayed weird assassins. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Yeah, you also got Dormammu. Ah, Dormammu, yes, that's right, yeah, we saw Dormammu in Doctor Strange, and he's still out there in some uh, some capacity. Mm-hmm. Doing it that way would also mean Doctor Strange could take more precedent and be like, yeah, you know, I'm your magic expert, I'll help you. And he probably will be after this next phase is over, he'll probably be the Iron Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's the big turn here, and I also killed your mother in case, you know, you didn't think I was evil enough yet. It sounds really bad. <laughs> now that's a Han Solo moment right here. What? Shoot to death. Jump to murder right away. <laughs> okay, now look. You got that out of your system. That's fine. Now we can work through this, right? No. <laughs> God. He's in his Knight Rider costume. Yeah, god damn, that's awesome. Yeah, the effects are so fucking cool. I wanted to do this together. That I suppose. 
Well, that's not good. And now here, all the stories are finally dovetailing together because that's good writing. Yep, they all connected. And again, too, where it's like, man, we're we're really entering our final step right here. We've been an hour thirty, and you know when they crush ego in the next little bit, I'm like, oh shit, is the movie over? Oh no, wait, we still got like thirty minutes left. Yeah, there's the face. There's the face. Because he's angry now. It's an angry face. No, not my Walkman. <laughs> Which he even says later, and you broke my Walkman. <laughs> and you killed my mom, but also my Walkman. Like, to, sh to think they get such an emotional response from me for crushing the Walkman, because the Walkman is a goddamn character. It, it really is. We know what it represents, and we know that tape was from his mother, and it was like his last connection to his family and to Earth and to all this other stuff. It's important. It's good visual storytelling. <laughs> now, also, too, you figure with these ego things blowing up on Earth, and that new Dairy Queen logo... <laughs> <laughs> You figure with all this, like, ego stuff blowing up all over the world and everything, the Avengers would have to have noticed this, right? And when they meet the Guardians, they'll be like, hey, was that you? Well, that's the thing that they might, but this movie takes place six months after the first film. Oh. First film was set in 2014. When they meet the Guardian, when they when the Avengers meet the Guardians, it will have been two to three years after this. Right. Uh, did you catch it too when Yondu lands on him in the ship? It's like, hey there, jackass. In the first movie, whenever they asked him about his dad and when he was talking to Craig, and he said, yeah, I remember that guy. He was a jackass. <laughs> Again, nice bit of continuity. Blink and you'll miss it. Man, they grow the team pretty big here by the end, don't they? Nebula, Mantis, yeah. Yondu for a minute. It's Again, it's yeah. starting to get closer and closer to the actual team from the comics. <laughs> Raboon. That's close to Badoon, isn't it? Another alien race they sadly can't use. Can't they? No, I think Badoon is tied into into X Men. I, I know they're not they're not technically canon, but I know in the MCU comics the Badoon are in it. Oh, are they really? Yeah, the Badoon. I think they they like fight Thor. Well, shit. I mean, if they've been doing uh, the Watchers and the Skrulls and everything, they probably can use the Badoon. They just can't use any Badoon that are named. Yeah, any any of the big Badoon. Yeah, but shit. I mean, I guess that means we can get the Phalanx too at some point and a bunch of other stuff. I mean, Maybe. now that everything's more or less on the table. <laughs> yeah, issues is the whole theme of this movie. It's a shame as well, like, since we're building up the cosmic thing, we won't get races like the Shi'ar Empire or anything, because mm. they're going to be in the new X-Men film. That's right. Don't worry, they'll, they'll fuck it up, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, they'll have to do a deal like Sony did. 
I mean, I mean, that's the problem. Was you know, you could have they could make mention of the Shi'ar Empire, but the problem with that is, is like you said, they're probably going to screw it up in X Men. And really, the Shi'ar Empire is defined by all the cool named individuals that are part of it. So yeah, you couldn't have Gladiator. You couldn't have any of those guys. Yeah, Darkhawk or anything. Or... Yeah. I mean, to, to think shit, we'll probably see a movie based in the goddamn Eternals before we see the Shi'ar Empire. Yeah, and I wonder, wonder if they're gonna do like like with um the scrolls and the Chitari, whether they're gonna actually do like what they did in the uh, Ultimates, where like the the scrolls and Chitari are the same race, but the Chitari are like genetically modified freaks. Interesting. I mean, They'd be pretty cool. They borrow enough material as it is from the Ultimate Universe, so what's one more thing, right? Uh, even Craglin's rocking out. Yeah. <laughs> Getting the lyrics wrong. And I mean, hey, talk about another th song you wouldn't assume to be an action song, yet they turn it into one. Mm -hmm. Oh, here comes the last Starfighters all over again. It's like this late in the movie. It's like, oh, yeah, she, you guys still want them batteries, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Remember that thing that started all of these events? Yeah, they're all converging. <laughs> yeah, into one point, because that's, that's good writing. I tells you. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, your fucked up situation just got more fucked up. <laughs> yeah, just to teach me how to control the power of the universe. <laughs> I like that he's not he's not a, a impressed by this at all. No. <laughs> just, hey, you made a ball? You, you're the son of a god? Eh. Yeah, I can make an arrow fly with this thing on my head. Nothing impresses me. Again, you know, it would be really easy in a finale like this to let all, you know, the computer-generated images take over and have it, you know, like, not be, you know, to lose connection to what's going on, and yet mm -hmm. that never happens. No, no. Which is a rare thing that we see a lot of superhero movies, and just, you know, like, big effects-budget-driven movies in general just kind of lose track of. Mm-hmm. It just becomes a mishmash of CGI. Yeah, where it's like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know who's shooting at what, I just see a lot of shit happening. Good, uh, what's that word? Good placement, good geography. Yeah, case in point, the end of Wonder Woman. Yeah, where there's just a lot of shit happening and it's hard to keep it together. Ge geography is a hard thing to learn. And it's one of those things that when it's good, you rarely recognize it, and when it's bad... Yeah, she remember these guys. They came and they brought music with them. <laughs> it's a it's a movie where it's hard not to get your groove on. 
oh, and here's the, the bomb bit that was in all the trailers. Rocket also, in a, another bit of good writing, sacrificing the batteries that he tried so hard to steal because this is more important. Mm-hmm. The movie doesn't dwell on it or anything either. It just happens. Yeah, there's no, like, he, he thinks about it. He just does it. Yeah. Because he learned a lesson and he developed as a character. <laughs> you don't have to believe in yourself. This is this is his Gurren Logan moment. Believe in the Drax who believes in you, Mantis. <laughs> Stop the electric monster face. Yeah, you can do it. You can do it nine times. <laughs> this is me being positive and helpful. Now, now, is it you who pointed out to me, too, the irony that to kill Ego, they need to put a bomb in his brain, essentially? Mm-hmm. And he killed uh, Pete's mom with a uh, brain tumor. So, again, it's yeah. bringing it all full circle. Kind of ironic. Very. Star-Lord getting in touch with his inner rocketeer right here, right now. Yeah. I wonder if that's, like, the reason why he made his mask look like that. Because it's kind of, like, rocketeerish. That would be hilarious. I mean, so much of his outfit, his get-up, and his general demeanor is, you know, all references to movies and TV show from Earth. So, yeah, probably. And he would know who the rocketeer is. Yeah, And again, too, even in the heat of battle, we still got really well-crafted jokes and bits. I mean, this, I mean, to time it, I mean, would you say this is maybe a joke-a-minute movie? Because it probably is. Eh, just about. <laughs> Get the tape. This is also very true to life. There's never any tape when you need it. You'll trip over it a hundred times when you don't need it. <laughs> and then to ask every character off-screen if they have tape. <laughs> clear, clear tape, scotch tape. <laughs> then why did you ask for scotch tape? <laughs> No one ever has any tape when you need it, and no one ever has a pen when you need it. <laughs> no matter where you are in the universe, these things will always be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, screw yeah. Oh no, you left the bomb with the baby. <laughs> Eh, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Trust your heart. Let fate decide. Oh, 
I like that they're basically in a space truck, so they yeah. have like the big steering wheel. That's really good. There's probably a stash of space meth under one of the seats. <laughs> you know, for when you're doing one of those big, long cosmic runs and you need something <laughs> to keep you up. Space pet pills. Oh, shit. Pet pills, pet pills, pepping up again. <laughs> <laughs> And again, every character being useful in this fight, and every character serving a purpose. Hey, this arm thing we set up earlier in the movie, guess what? It's important now. <laughs> and again, Nebula learning the importance of sacrifice to the very group of people that she tried to kill earlier on. Man, they, they overclocked the shit out of those lasers, man. They voided every warranty. <laughs> They will not get their deposit back for that. <laughs> there goes your high scores, everybody. I like she's worried more about Peter than than Nebula. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, Nebula, you're you're fine too. That's that's yeah. good. I guess. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to be rid of you. Shit. <laughs> Oh, and, and here's the win moment of the movie. <laughs> the one that everyone quoted, the most quotable line. <laughs> Still gets me. Is he cool? <laughs> and again, Michael Rooker just owning the shit out of that. No, this is when you're falling to the earth, you look like Mary Poppins. <laughs> Oh, and here's our big all-team-together shot. Here's here's your computer background, everybody. And a big standard hero moment. Juxtaposed to... Ah! Oh, shit, he's assuming his final form. It's phase two of the boss fight. <laughs> he's healed up and he's come back. Yeah, Jesus, and now he'll be even cheaper now that you've, now that you've taken out all the uh, little minion mooks. Hmm. Yeah. Again, James Gunn keeping his brother in the movie and keeping him important. He's the guy who drives yeah. the ship. Keeping that ship really important. That too. <laughs> <laughs> Again, bringing back the nipple jokes and also bringing back what we've already pre-established uh, about the Guardians of the Galaxy universe and their technology. Jetpacks and air things, air shields are two different things. <laughs> They're not on the same system, man. And you better hope you got the new ones from this year. And here's hoping you didn't get the air shields from Samsung. They can blow up on you. Yeah, see, metal space arms, you know, they they, they help out in a pinch, right? They, they, have, they have... They have their uses. They have their uses in redeeming qualities. If she did that with a real hand, it would have popped out of the socket. But no, cool space hand. I keep shooting, but it doesn't do anything. 
They're not leveled up enough. Their weapons don't really do much damage. (laughs) No, they need to go grind in the barrens for a little bit. They need to kill some boars. So they can come back and be strong enough. Again, Ego's such a raid boss, man. They need like three different people. (laughs) Rocket's trying to do some DPS right now, but it's it's just not going. He needs to change up his rotation. (laughs) Oh, Kurt Russell, you can be charming even as a horrible energy monster. And now the two sisters who love hate each other must work together to escape and work through their issues. <laughs> While also still kind of being competitive at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, I leap further than you. Yeah, really. I'll save myself from death before you save yourself from death. That'll show ya. Oh no. Mm. By God, the stakes just keep getting raised. I swear in this last little bit here, it's hard to commentate because there's just so much happening. (laughs) There there really is a lot going on. It's like three or four separate fights. Yeah, all, all, all layered, all got their own stuff going on. Again, Drax must save his surrogate daughter now in the way that he could not save his actual daughter. Yep. Peter and surrogate dad are fighting real dick dad. Yep. Two sisters are fighting with each other Mm -hmm. while fighting against something else. Yep. Once again, the theme of family and dysfunctional family is quite strong. Oh, that's a cool effect, the skin all just coming on him slowly. That is a really impressive effect. That's really good. You can tell they're like, and this is our showstopper right here. This will get us our next gig. (laughs) And we even have a moment of, oh no, everybody's fucked moment. No one's going to make it. Well, it was probably, like, a lot of people probably did think they were probably going to kill one of them off. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, there's too many people right here right now. Which which one are they going to lose? Oh, and he gets his guts all growing back and his skin and everything all coming over and musculature. Yep. And the face gets more and more Kurt Russell-y as he gets closer. <laughs> Again, I can just imagine the poor computer animator where that was like fucking years of his life putting that together. A lot of bad shit happened. Oh yeah, here's here we are on Xandar. 
Yeah, I like all the planets that we get to see. They're all they all have their own unique designs. Yeah, all very diverse, and we only see them for like a second. That's the thing with this movie. Even like the alien designs, they're all different. They're all they're all not just like you know a green guy mm-hmm. or a red guy or something. They all have like like these people here. They've got like, like bone Fates. structures and face face and everything, and they look like it's all really cool. People. It really is. And again, uh, you know, Ego showing himself to be the perfect foil for Guardians 2 because he is also like, you know, this ultimate agent of conformity, you know, make the world all the same, make everything me now and forever, where the Guardians are, you know, like fun rebels without a cause. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our differences are what make us special. Hey, that was a fun shot right there of uh, Little Quill and Yondu teaching him how to shoot. Yeah. Oh shit! Here's here here's Peter tapping into his true potential, man. He finally learned he was a super saiyan all along. Okay, get James Gunn to do a Dragon Ball Z movie. He seems to understand what it's about. Oh my god, this fight they have is the best Dragon Ball Z movie you'll ever see. And yet again, the reprise of uh, Fleetwood Mac, the chain, as he is indeed breaking the chain right now. In fact, everyone is kind of breaking their chains realistically. I guess that's why it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And Yondu probably walking away with the line of the movie, too, where he's like, you know, when I shoot the arrow, I'm not using my head, I'm using my heart. Yeah, never never thought Fleetwood Mac would be cool fight music, but I stand corrected. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac is rock and roll as shit, man. <laughs> I, the big brain, am leaving now for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point in the movie, too, it's like, wait, even I don't remember which button's the right button. <laughs> How is he supposed to remember when even I don't remember? Uh, his little stumpy legs can't carry him that far. Again, this is so wonderfully Dragon Ball right now. This isn't even my it is. form. It's so cool. That's not like you even expect in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie no. either. No, you wouldn't. When that actually happened, I'm like, are they actually doing this? Is this actually happening right now? <laughs> Aww. No, we've grown so close, though. I have to save you. Hmm. I like this. He's being nice to him, but he still calls him a rat. <laughs> yeah, and a twig. It's his way of keeping them at arm's length emotionally. You only got one. I wonder if any of this kind of tech will fall into the hands of Tony because it seems like right up his alley, just like stuff that forms around him. Definitely. And keep it on his body in like a little box. Yeah. Welcome to the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. 
I love in a Disney Marvel movie that's still ostensibly for kids, where it's like, no, 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 he said fucking children. <laughs> Never forget children, he actually said fucking. <laughs> and now here is my greatest technique. Ego Kamehameha. <laughs> Quick, Peter, use solar flare and get out of there. Or, you know, you use your instant transmission or any other bullshit writer move. Oh, oh no, this is better. This is better. I forget he becomes Pac-Man. And, and even that's paid off. Yep, yeah, the Pac-Man reference gets paid off. Waka, 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 waka. Ah, see, if he had eaten a cherry first, that would have worked. And again, because Kurt Russell is in full-on evil mode... He's all uh, pale and uh, grotesque looking now. He's gone all puffy monster face emperor. Yep. Mm -mm. Now here's a morally complex moment too coming up that you don't usually see in big summer blockbuster movies like this. A hero betrays another hero to save the life of another hero. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. Yeah. I can't lose you too. Mm. God, the amount of detail they put into that little raccoon's face to show his emotional state. It's pretty good. Uh -huh. Hitting Ego so hard, literally pieces of his face fall off. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And what's wrong with that? Yeah, hitting home the idea of what the Guardians really represent. They're not putting themselves above anybody. No. That's why they are rebel space pirates. Oh, that's a great effect, too. You know, that reminds, that reminds me of, like, Clayface when he gets defeated in, like, Batman stuff. That usually happens to him. He just turns into nothing. Yeah, breaks down. Also, to another instance, you know, in a Marvel movie where they killed a villain, but I think this was pretty justified. Like, he's a planet, he threatens everybody, something's gotta be done. Yeah, you can't just let him, you know, you know, send him off into space or something. Yeah, you legitimately can't put this guy in jail. Uh, and again, Yondu proving, I'm the coolest, bestest guy ever. <laughs> But it wasn't your daddy. That was me. I love you, Blue Dad. Aww. Again, the theme of parental abandonment and surrogate family. Very strong. Also, this bit here of him giving him the device so he can survive out in space also mirrors what Peter did for uh, Gamora in the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, you could call it a, a direct callback that this is the Guardian Universe equivalent of, like, you know, the purest expression of love. Hey, take my air. Hmm. Oh, get ready to cry, kids. Here comes the bad feels. I wonder if if Rooker, when he was reading this, is like, R -r -r really, James? You're, you're freaking killing me off in this shit now? Come on, man. <laughs> well, I reckon they'll probably be coming back in Infinity War in some way or another flashback or oh, yeah. mind missing. Because he, he was on the set, but that was it could have also just been to like throw people off the ending of this. That too. Also, you know, Loki, Loki loves taking the form of people. That could be one. Oh, yeah. That'd be really cool. It would be. Of course, then you'd have to find her to justify a reason of that, what, L Loki knew who Yondu was? Well, you know, he's been spending time on, you know, um, gladiatorial worlds and That's stuff true. like that. And he was out in space for a good long time in between Thor movies. And I imagine that the Ravagers aren't just like, like some small band that only a couple of people know about. Yeah. This could happen, people. This could happen. It's, it's true. I mean, anything is possible. And again, probably one of my favorite funeral moments in a movie. Like, obviously, I cannot help but think of Spock's funeral in Star Trek. This was pretty good funeral. The, the one in Thor, the Dark World was. That was also a surprisingly good one. He didn't have a talking car, but he had a flying arrow. <laughs> But he did whistle. <laughs> Again, it's like he's half joking, but half being really serious. And like, this is what Peter thinks is cool. <laughs> and he yeah, hooked up with women and fought <laughs> robots. <laughs> I guess I did have David Hasselhoff for a day. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, nice callbacks too for his little Viking funeral. All the shit they put around him and everything. Uh... That's straight up uh, the stuff he had on his console in uh, the first yep. movie. Yep. Again, it's it's the details, man. It's the little details. They didn't have to do that, but they did. Hmm. I'm going now, but don't worry. I'll be back in Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> He did call you Twig. Then again, a pretty strong, sad moment for this character, too. And setting up the future of her. That, too. They actually give her a hell of a send-off now that she's uh, had a character arc. wonder how they're going to bring her into Infinity War since she's separated from the group. And it's been such a long time between this movie and Infinity War. Yeah, everybody wants to kill Thanos. Maybe Thanos already caught her or something. Maybe she's like a prisoner of Thanos already. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's like, you know, we need some information on someone who's been hunting Thanos this whole time. Or she discovers what Thanos is doing and gets in contact with Gamora. That too. Now, it's funny, we're recording this on Sunday night right now. Both uh, Game of Thrones, Rick and Morty, and uh, Ray Donovan are all airing tonight as we do this. So we hope you enjoyed getting to spend this two hours with us. 
It is a really great movie, though. And I mean, this this ending bit here, like after everything they've done, it's a hell of a send off, both to Yondu, and like they even ended on like a really sweet, you know, like like tear worthy bit. Yeah, it's like a sad one, but it's also kind of happy. Yeah, it is. It it rides that line quite interestingly. Like, hey, here and now the two surrogate sons, Craglin and Peter, find some common ground. <laughs> a Zune. Man, the maker of Zune was probably so fucking stoked when they put this in the movie. <laughs> Wouldn't you I like be... that I like that Peter's like like amazed by that. Three hundred songs. Yeah, every song you've ever listened to, and then some. Ah, the the exchanging of gifts. This is like the will moment for the two sons. He would want you to have this. He would want you to have that. (laughs) He's so moved. Again, when when was the Zune big? Like 2006, 2008? Uh, I think so. But you gotta ask the question, thank God the person who owned that Zune had a good taste in music to put some Cat Stevens on there. God fucking help us if Peter was going through and it was nothing but Laffy Taffy and a lot of other bullshit songs. <laughs> I imagine that's like a mix. Like, there's like Cat, for every Cat Stevens song, there's like a Flo Rida. <laughs> no. Was Flo Rida even a thing in 2006, 2008? Oh, probably. It would be Little John. You know, uh, Peter Quill has to learn a lot about getting crunk, as was the style at the time. Well, you know, all my music is telling me to get crunk and drink this scissorp. <laughs> I don't know what these things are. Cat Stevens, or as he is also known, Yusef Islam. That's that's not a joke. That's just accurate. He changed yeah. his name to Yusef Islam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, we get the space equivalent of a Viking funeral with all the original Guardians of the Galaxy from when the book yeah. first premiered. Yeah, we've seen a space Viking funeral already, and now that's we right. get a space pirate Viking funeral. That's right. You're right. I keep forgetting Thor. That's right. They killed off the mom, and she again. They literally did the thing. You're right. Man, they've had two kick-ass funerals in this Marvel expanded universe. Now, quick, everyone, set your phasers to beautiful fireworks. <laughs> I like that's just a setting on their ships, the awe-inspiring, beautiful fireworks. No one gets freaked out, like, oh god, they're firing on us. Aww. So emotional. Ving Rhames is Charlie 23. Looking exactly like he's supposed to in his big yellow onesie. Yeah. And I like, too, that, you know, the original Guardians of the Galaxies all set up their own Ravager crews and they all have costumes similar to theirs. Yep. He didn't chase them away. Aw. And it all comes back to Rocket now because he sees, you know, Yondu's surrogate family come back and honor him, which allows him to complete his character journey. He even just starts talking about himself and he stole batteries he didn't need. Oh, and they all 
hand baby group back and forth because again they are a family and this is the thing they all care for each other <laughs> hmm Again, it's a bold thing to even end the movie on such, like, a downer note. Like, hey, here's our, like, big tentpole summer action cosmic movie. How are we going to end it on a really sad funeral bed? Yeah, funeral for yeah. One, for a really much-loved character. Yeah. Again, you know, to bring back that Star Wars thing, again, it is, like, totally Empire Strikes Back style, where it's like, yeah, the second one needs to be kind of sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aww. Yeah, even the most minor characters in this story had an arc and had development. That's insane. Yes, this is a really good movie to watch if you want to learn how to write a good movie. Yeah, everyone had a part to play. Nothing was superfluous. It all just kind of worked. It spins so many plates. Like, in the hands of a weaker director, this could have been disastrous. And yet James Gunn just fucking made it work from beginning to yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there you go, everyone. That's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Thank you for setting aside two hours to watch and listen to this with us. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Craglin yeah, uh, learning how to use the, <laughs> the arrow. Yeah, th this too also probably has more post credit scenes than anything. Of course, we got the cool shit with Adam Warlock that we talked about. Uh, we get lots of fun stuff here. We get more uh, Stan Lee and the Watchers. Yeah, we get more. We get like set up for like the original Ravages, or original Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, with friggin' actors where you're like, really? They got all of them? <laughs> I'd love if they do do a movie like that. I really hope they do. I would be fine with that. Then just literally call it the Ravagers. Yeah, it gives something Sylvester Stallone to do. Yeah, we'll actually let him be in something good for a bit. <laughs> and then even the ending theme song is a great choice. Mommy's alright, Daddy's alright. Again, a song talking about family. And there's even yeah. jokes in the credits, like stuff turns from I Am Groot to uh, the actual credits. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, everyone, that was a good time. Any, uh, any, any parting thoughts there, Matt, before we close this one down? Not really, this is really... Really good movie. Really good movie. Looks awesome on the digital copy we have. Again, if you have a good TV, this one will blow your freaking mind. Hey, it's Cosmo who shows up for yeah. a second in the credits. <laughs> yeah, as I said at the start of the film, like I want to see this in 4K. Yeah, oh, I'm sure it would be freaking mind-blowing. But yes, everyone, that'll bring it to a close here. As always, thank you for watching and listening. If you're a patron, you'll get to listen to this one early before anyone else. Everyone else gets it on Wednesday at 8. Uh, I guess we're still on SoundCloud now, Matt. There was uh, there was some worry there for a bit that that company might go under this week. They didn't. They took they took my fifteen fucking dollars for a month. So I guess I guess we're still with them for another month. You, you saved them, Joe. That fifty dollars like brought them. They're like, we we did it. We we've paid off our debts. <laughs> That's what they needed. They're, they're all at the big meeting with the shareholders, and they're just like, look, look, we don't know if we can make it. Wait, wait. The comic multiverse is fifteen dollars. Just came in. We're gonna be fine, everybody. <laughs> Well, that's the funniest goddamn thing we've said in this whole uh, commentary. There's going to be no topping that. We should just end right now, shouldn't we, Matt? I think it's safe to say we should. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.